everyone, BT here. Today, David and I are talking about the Will Smith autobiography titled Will. I'm calling this the power of Will because there is so many powerful lessons that can be found inside this particular book. Listen, if you haven't read the book yet or you haven't listened to the book yet, you may want to put this episode down and come back and revisit it because there are a few spoilers, if you will. David and I are going to share a few stories from the book itself and sort of the rise of who Will Smith is as a person and as a global icon and global brand. So uh, do yourself a favor. If you haven't heard that, maybe you come back later. If you're not worried about it, come on in and listen because I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. The choice is clear in this. I think once you hear what, uh, what we were talking about in here, you're going to want to get the book for yourself if you haven't already. So let's go ahead and check it out. Let's get jiggy with it. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Oh, my God. I can't get enough of it right now. Will Smith is dominating everything that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Like he is definitely a big part of what I'm listening to, what I'm reading. I mean, as we jump in here, um, you know, we've both had a chance to read Will Smith's biography, Will, uh, listen to it. Autobiography. Uh, autobiography. I would definitely encourage people to listen to it. I mean, yeah. I've got the book in front of me here, but I would definitely encourage you, I mean, get the, get the hardcover so you can take your notes and underline and do all that, but also do yourself a favor and get the audio version of it because... He sings. He does all sorts of fun voices. Yeah. He, you can hear the power of the emotion he's going through in yeah. this thing. It is just hearing it from him makes all the difference. It's the same. It's entertaining. It is extremely entertaining. He is such a charismatic guy. It's the same reason I fell in love with Matthew McConaughey again when he came out with Green Lights last year. Yeah. This is on the same level, if not better, because Will Smith is such a charismatic character. I just can't get enough. And I have to tell you, one of the things that I did in the in the run up to this, having, you know, first and foremost, I listened to the book over the holidays when I was running. Never a good idea. I need to go back and do it again. I've okay. started reading it. I want to listen to it because I don't take in as much information yeah. because I'm I'm listening to it at a faster speed. I'm focusing on not falling on my face. I really need to sit down and have moments with this book. But one thing that stood out to me the most was right out of the gate, the way he writes and the way he tells the story, especially about the wall. And for those people who haven't read the book yet, I would encourage you, if you haven't, go do it. There's probably going to be some spoilers in this particular episode. I don't want to, you know, forget about that piece because I don't want to be disrespectful to the audience. But he tells this story about the wall and his dad having him and his brother build that wall that I was thinking the whole time. This dude is sage and wise, and man, can he pull lessons out of so many different places. Yeah. That blew me away. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, his story is fantastic. The way he, tell, anyway, yes. he tells... Should we story. share a little bit of it here? Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, absolutely. So if, listen, just a spoiler alert. We're going to go into some details that are in the book. If you don't want to know... Uh, shut it off and come back and listen to it Absolutely. after you read the book. Yeah, That's so tell us, about, tell us about your interpretation of the wall as Will told it. 
Well, the interesting thing was he tells this story in the beginning that when I think he's like 11 years old, uh, his father, who owns uh, basically a refrigeration business, uh, HVAC, I guess, and also an ice business where they deliver ice. The wall, I guess part of the wall was crumbling in the store that he owned and he had, he tore it down. Uh, he brought both the kids in. Will's brother was four years younger than him, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, young brother. And they spent an entire year rebuilding this wall. He had the two boys build the wall and it was, there was a lesson in this for them. And the idea was that you know, it was one brick at a time, lay each brick perfectly, and don't focus on the wall. So, you know, these kids look at this giant empty space where this wall used to be, and they're thinking, oh, my God, it's going to take a lifetime to do this. And, it, you know, it, it took them a year. They worked on it every day. They worked on holidays. They worked on weekends every day after school, that type of thing. And they got very overwhelmed with it because it was going really slow, you know. So they had to lay the foundation. They had to mix the mortar. They had to lay each brick and make sure that it was perfectly level. Otherwise, the wall won't be level, right? So um, it was taking an extraordinary amount of time. So you figure like an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old are doing this. Yeah, building the wall. Building this wall, yeah. right? And yeah, brick dad, brick. dad just tells them, you know, how to mix everything and what to do. But the kids have to actually do this. So... It, you know, it's teaching them persistence and discipline and focus and goals and this whole thing. And the kids get overwhelmed and they're kind of breaking down a little bit. And, and the dad says, don't focus on the wall, focus on laying one brick perfectly. And that was that, I think that was, well, this is where Will starts off with his, his own journey yeah, in life. That you was know, his, like the yeah. very first lesson he yep. learns is that. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to just a, a brief little excerpt about you talking about that because a lot of times when we look at things, we see the we see the big picture. We don't see the little things that have to go into place to get to that big picture. Yeah. So the wall, looking at it from a from a young person's perspective, it does look insurmountable when you look at it as a wall, but if you look at it as a brick at a time, that's it makes it manageable. And one of the things that he said as he transitions into the book, he says, for my entire career, I've been absolutely relentless. I've been committed to a work ethic of uncompromising intensity. And the secret to my success is as boring as it is unsurprising. You show up and you lay another brick. Pissed off, lay another brick. Bad opening weekend, lay another brick. Album sales dropping, get up and lay another brick. Marriage failing, lay another brick. He got that from his dad. Yeah. There's always another brick that's waiting there for you. And the people out there who have read this story, they know what their brick is. You have to do it a step at a time. And when I heard that the first time, I was like, that is so freaking genius yeah. because I too focus on the big picture as opposed and I'm not saying that's not important but you can't focus on you got to focus what's in front of you and lay another brick when he said that I was like god damn this guy gets universal truth yeah he does and I was teaching this to a group of people I was telling a group of people about uh about the book and I was saying you know one of the very interesting because for let so let me just put this in perspective Will Smith became the biggest movie star in the world, and he had the record for the most number one movies in a row. I think he had eight. He was box office smash. Yeah, and it was entirely orchestrated. It was not by accident. It was not by chance or luck. It was basically by his by taking that idea of, of laying the brick and then looking at the, the goal, what did he had to do? But what I was saying to these individuals was that the great thing about Will and, and what his father 
one of the things his father taught him because he taught him a lot of, he taught him what to be and what not to be, you know, basically. The great thing was that he got discipline into his subconscious very early on. Now, anybody can learn discipline. You, anybody can learn anything. It doesn't matter how old you are, but what a gift that he got to be able to get discipline ingrained in him at that young age because there's so many things that you can miss, but if you don't have discipline, you don't get shit. Right. I mean, in, in life, you're not, I mean, you have to have some discipline to be able to do anything. doesn't have to be perfect, but it's got to be good enough to get you, you know, to lay the bricks, cause and effect, to, to pull off what you set out to do. And I run into so many people in my career that consistently go, how do you get yourself to do it? And instantly you know they don't have any discipline, so they have to start over. I have to start working with them from a place of, here's how you start to develop discipline. And with like, like I said again, without it, you're not going to get anything. But yeah. I mean, I just think that it was so great that that was the first, like the, the however the his father knew it. Yeah. I don't know how his father knew, knew this, right? Because his father also had other issues, Yeah, but he definitely knew how to get discipline into those kids. Absolutely. And you know, he, Will tells the, the heart wrenching story about when his dad was physically abusive with his mom. And that's when he adopted the persona of the entertainer to be able to make his dad happy. And I'm sure, you know, the, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't a flight. It wasn't a freeze. He was, I'm going to be the entertainer. I'm going to adopt this piece. And he carried that on throughout his life. And I was in doing some research for this. I came across an old interview uh, where right before his dad passed, they sat down and had a conversation with him. And you could tell how proud he was of Will and how probably ashamed he felt about his actions and what he did, but the discipline piece that was imparted, you know, it reminds me of the story about going, sending him, sending Will to the five and dime to pick up some cigarettes for mm -hmm. him. And, you know, he, when he was given a mission, it was either you complete the mission or you die. That's and that's it. actually what he says. Yeah. So when he went to the store, he got distracted on his way home and they didn't have his brand or whatever, got distracted. No, playing. no. They, so the, the cigarettes weren't in, but on his way home, yes. he gets distracted by the Nerf gets football. Gets distracted by the Nerf football, this beautiful sphere that right. is both squishy the, and, and then- new technology. Yes, and his kids. dad comes storming down the street, you know, and Will's like, oh shit, I'm getting it. And that's when his dad went off and was yeah. basically like, you had a mission, you either die on that mountain or you fulfill the mission. And you didn't fulfill yeah. the mission. If you would have gone home and said, hey dad, they didn't have them, I'll check tomorrow, I'm gonna go play some football. But instead, and that in that moment, Will was both scared, but he also realized the importance of seeing the thing through. Yeah, and he got his ass beat. For he did it when he got home. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's those types of types of stories that that are that are full in this book. Like he's going through so many things, and it's it's really beautiful to see the rise. And believe it or not, I, I don't know if I want to say the fall, but he's gone through some difficult times. I mean, clearly there's been some things that he's done and there's been some opportunities he passed up that if you look back, you're like, oh my God, really? He was going to be in the matrix? Like that role was going to be him instead of Keanu Reeves? But he does talk about how, you know, that came about and how he doesn't regret it. I mean, he doesn't live with a lot of regrets when it comes to his career decisions. But 
one of the big things for me is that he always seems to be at the right place at the right time. And we're not going to call that luck. He's creating every one of those situations and scenarios. And the one that I love, well, first of all, him being introduced to which would eventually be his DJ, DJ Jazzy Jeff, whom yeah. we know as him, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, you know. Who had the same work ethic, by the way. Exactly. They were like peas in a pod. They, by happenstance, he just happens to show up at a party. Jazz's hype man isn't there. Give the mic to Will. Will takes off. There it's born. That's yeah. the birth of the Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. And it's just being in the right place at the right time. Also with the... Uh, the story he tells about Quincy Jones when, you know, he happens, his girlfriend tells him, you know, you can't sit down and be complaining about your record flopping. Go where the people are, where the people at the time, it's Arsenio Hall show. Everybody in the world wanted to be on the Arsenio Hall show. He wasn't even going to be on it. He just went down there and hung out, meets Benny Medina, Benny Medina introduced him to Quincy Jones. Benny Medina's got this script for this untitled Morris Day project, if you will, that would eventually become the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But in order to get that, he's got to audition on the fly in front of Quincy at his house at a house party. Yeah. Will's going over there thinking yeah. he's just going to hang Oprah's out. Oprah's there. Yes. Like everybody who's anybody's the there. The president of NBC at the time, Brandon Tartikoff, Tartikoff is there. And Will's like, I'm not ready. I can't do this. And Quincy's like, well, here's the deal. You know, we could set it for a week from now, but something's going to come up. We could set it for a month from now. Something's going to come up. You've got 10 minutes to change your life forever. He took the 10, he got the job, and from there it was rocket ship. Yeah. Now, this was a guy who had already, who had, he'd already won like Grammys. He'd already won, you know, he was a, a critically the, acclaimed musician. He won the first Grammy for, for a rap. rap group. Isn't that insane? When yeah. I think of, when I think of Will Smith, when I was younger and I think of the Fresh Prince at the time, you know, it was sort of like a, 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 a calmer part of rap music, but it was entertaining and they were the very first, they were the pioneers, but they ended up losing everything. And, and another story he tells in there, which I thought was really cool, was their second album, their sophomore album, which is probably, you know, the sophomore slump personified, <laughs> was when they went down to the Bahamas to go through their creative process to carve out this album. And they're just throwing money at this thing and all they're doing is partying and hanging out with beautiful women and Eating doing their chicken. thing. And eating jerk chicken. And it's crazy to think that that was a humbling moment because they f- that album was critically flop yeah. like that was the death nail that could have been the end of everything not only that but because of the success of their first album and you know will being very candid and saying he was he didn't pay the irs he was broke he was famous well he had he lost he everything lost everything he had to sell everything that he bought yeah. the house cars uh, everything yeah. and he owed taxes on about three million dollars but i thought it was funny that the the manager that uh that basically will put this guy in charge. He was his manager from his childhood. Became the guy became his manager, and the manager actually called his father to come get his ass out of Jamaica. Yeah, because they were burning through ten thousand dollars a day. They weren't doing anything but partying. Right, That's and that was and and Will was passing it off as, oh, this is our creative process. You don't know about the process. Right. This is the process. And what came out of that, and in this corner the flop that was born in the Bahamas. Instead of working on that process, it was just nonstop partying. But it led to other opportunities. Go where the people are, like I said before, Benny Medina, Quincy Jones, get the Fresh fresh Prince of Bel-Air going. And at that moment in time, he's like, he's totally reinvented himself as this person. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Because the, an interesting thing that, that he talked about 
because he knows he knows the laws of the universe and he goes through Clearly. them. One of the things he talks about is how nothing that he's currently winning in is going to last. And to prepare for the next thing before the thing he's doing tanks. So he knew that the music thing wasn't going to last. He knew that Fresh Prince wasn't going to last. And he, so he was consistently preparing himself for the next thing with the ultimate goal being movies. And then the goal after that being the, the, the biggest movie star yeah. in the world. Right. Yeah. So it, it's that I thought that was so brilliant that however it was that he learned that, that, that everything changes and to prepare yourself before it changes so that you're not stuck in a down cycle and you're prepared to go from up to up to up, which basically he did. I mean, the, the, the biggest downfall he had was not paying those taxes and having an album take, but he learned from that quickly and pivoted. And then it was like just a rocket ship up. But, yeah, but he talks about every single strategy they employed in order for that to happen. Yeah, you don't wait for winter to hit to start sowing your crops, right? Like, yeah. the, you know, you want to go back to early times in this country. You know, you've got to be a forward thinker and you should be sowing the seeds of the next thing while you're in the midst of the thing you're doing. And some people may argue and say, well, that's taking away the focus from the general thing. In my opinion, this is just my opinion, you need to be thinking ahead while you're in the midst of the success you are achieving at yeah. the moment. You yeah. gotta you gotta be able to sow those seeds. And he did that clearly, whether it was from the music to the fresh prince to the movie star, and not just to be a movie star, but to be the biggest movie star. And if you go through the life of Will Smith, you will see every single thing he did was calculated and was leading him to that point. Whether it's breaking away from jazz and becoming a solo artist, whether it's becoming a bit part movie player to being an action star. Like these are things that he did along the way. And I think that applies to the people who come to the Successful Mind podcast to hear you talk because it is understanding that you can't just rest on your laurel. You always say, you know, if you want to know where you're at in your sales right now today, look at where you were two, three, four months ago. Right. What was going on in your life? I've got a down downturn in my sales right now. Where were you a few months ago? That tells you because it always shows up every yeah. single time. So what you're doing today won't show up necessarily tomorrow You've got to be thinking about down the road the next few months and keep putting that hustle in place. He was a hustler and he did exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was all done by strategy. I mean, somehow or another, he knew, learned very quick that becoming the biggest movie star in the world was not an accident. So he, he looked at, so how does somebody become the biggest yes. movie star? And they studied the studied. top 10 movies of all time. And they were like, what, is, what do all these movies have in common? And they realized uh, they realized that it had a formula in all of those movies. I'm not going to say what the formula is. Sure, figured out. Yeah, yeah. It's in and there. then it's a secret. And then he went to the top three movie stars in the world at that time, which was Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah. action star. Yeah, Fox and he went to the qualified. opening of the their their restaurant in in yeah. Melbourne. I yeah, think Planet Hollywood, right? Planet yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, and. Uh, he had only been in um, Fresh Prince at this point, and he walks up to those three guys, and he introduces himself, and they're like, who is this dude? And he says, I want to be the best movie star in the world. What do I do? And Schwarzenegger answers him. And I think most people would think 
it's pretty shocking what he actually told him. And he said, you're not a movie star until everybody on the planet knows who you are. Right. And you have to go around the world and sign every autograph and shake every hand and promote the movie in every major city. And I think most people think to themselves, oh, I just get this big role and I'll be great and boom, I'll be known all over the world. They don't realize what these guys put into doing that right? They don't have to go around the world and promote those movies, but they did. And they did it because they wanted to be bigger. So they went and sold the movie, even though it would be a big hit here all by itself. They went to Europe and they went to the Middle East and they went to Asia and they, and they literally sold the movie, met the people, shook their hands, signed the autographs and got their name out there that big. Now, you know, I'll bet you that the average person has no idea that they put that much into being a big a star as they are. Nobody's that big a star just by accident. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that you just you just show up. Oh, he was in a movie, so he's he yeah. just sits around. No, no, you're out there hustling. You are never done. And if you want to be a global brand, if you want to if you want your global ticket, you know to be as big as your domestic ticket, you've got to get out there and hit the pavement. You've got to be out there. It's not just a red carpet in Hollywood that you're dealing with. You're right. The majority of money coming in through film now is happening abroad, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Australia, you know, people, you have to go and you have to sign every autograph. You've got to take every picture. And, you know, to someone like me, that would be a pain in the ass, but that's a part of doing business. If you want to do and take Schwarzenegger's advice, if you want to be a, a global icon, you got to get out there globally and do it. Yeah. And he did that. Yeah. Well, if you remember years ago when I covered Schwarzenegger's success back when we did the D7 stuff, um, I w- w- you know, one of the things about Schwarzenegger was that, you know, he came to a different country. He set the biggest goals that he could for himself. He accomplished those goals. He went from being seven-time, I think it was, uh, uh, champion bodybuilder. And then he went and became the biggest movie star and the highest paid actor in the world. He taught himself English. He got a college education while he was doing this. He owned a construction company while he was building all of those things. And then he became the governor of California. And he knew exactly what it took to do this. An incredible work ethic. And that's what he told Will. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was that once Will Smith realized that in order, like in order to be the biggest movie star, part of it was the formula for the movies. He had to turn down what would seem like amazing roles to be able to get because it didn't fit the formula. Right. That's how he got eight number one movies in a row by only picking scripts that met that formula. Uh, based on what he needed to be as the lead in those pictures. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said earlier, he did turn down the role of Neo in the Matrix, but Will recently on a, well, not recently, a couple years ago on his YouTube channel, he talked about that because a lot of people wanted to criticize him for turning down that role. But he looked at it as an opportunity to do something different that he wanted to do, which was Wild Wild West, which was a critical failure at the box office. However, he was the best thing of that movie and his Wild Wild West theme song hit number one on the chart. So it was well received. So the musical part of it was there. Yeah. But what he said was, and I loved how he he flipped the script a little bit, was had he been Neo in that particular movie, The Matrix, instead of Keanu Reeves, then that wouldn't have opened the door for 
Lawrence Fishburne to be Morpheus. Right. So they wouldn't have had a black actor lead and then a black actor in that in that secondary position. So, you know, for those people who want to criticize him for that, look at that. And we can't see The Matrix any other way than Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. But he turned down those films and he actually turned down films that he ended up being in. And he tells a story yes. in the book about men in black. And, you know, he had just come off the success of Independence Day in 1996, which was the highest grossing film of the year. I mean, I used to watch that thing on VHS really? on a loop. I watched that so much when I was in college. I mean, I, I must have, I've probably seen that movie 20 times and I don't know why, probably because we had shit cable and I just had a VCR, but he turned down the role of men in black initially because he didn't want to be that guy who was the alien guy because yeah. because Independence Day was an alien movie and he's like I'm not going to do it so he ends up getting a phone call from the director a guy you may have heard of his name is Steven Spielberg yeah kind and, of an unknown yeah kind of an unknown he, maybe he'll make it we yeah. don't know but he says Will what are you doing why are you turning this movie down and he's like you know I don't want to be the alien guy he's like this will be potentially the biggest mistake you ever make you need to come and work with me on this film so he does it he acts in it he sings the title track in it. It becomes the third most successful movie of 1997, 600 million globally. It's a huge success. It leads to spinoffs. It leads to rides at Universal Studios. And it was Steven Spielberg who said, look, you're not going to be the alien guy. Yeah. Come and do this film with me. And he got to work with Tommy Lee Jones, which was huge at the time. They were great together. Oh my God, it's such a great film. And you go back and you look at these and he, very, and he initially turned it down. But Steven Spielberg reached out, said, look, I think you should do this. And he ended up doing it. But it's those types of moments where... Aren't there three of those? There are, yeah. Yeah. Them, right? I yeah. don't know if... I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know if Will was in the third one because it was sort of like a prequel. You know what I mean? He may have been a, a short little thing. I'll have to go back and look. But they're fun movies. And when you think of him in, you know, Bad Boys and all the, all the sequels to that, and then you've got you know, Independence Day, which was huge. And then you've got Men in Black, which is huge. But then you start to see this transition in him to get to the actor we see today and taking on these more serious roles, whether it's Ali, which was freaking incredible. Not a commercial success, but man, he was incredible in that. You look at The Pursuit of Happiness, where he got to act with his son, Jaden. You look at After Earth, which was, you know, a critical flop again, and Jaden took a lot of the heat from that. But you start to see, and then more recently, King Richard, which you, we've talked about. We've talked about in yeah. this. And that leads me to, you know, these serious roles that he's undertaken, but that leads into, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about his YouTube series, The Best Shape of My Life, which that's six episodes on YouTube. Those bite-sized, you know, 20-minute, 25-minute pieces of content yeah. are incredible. And it's a complimentary piece to this book we have in front of us. Totally is. Because it's him going through the journey of losing the weight that he gained to play Richard Williams in King Richard. And it's also him Because yeah, he put on like 40 pounds for that. Role. Yes. And, and him writing his autobiography. Yeah. And it's, it's such a great piece. And after... After reading and listening to the book and then going back and watching that series, I was like, man, this guy is pouring every ounce of his soul into this. And when you watch it, when you watch that series on YouTube, and I'll link to the initial episode to get the ball rolling in the episode notes below, think about what it takes to be that guy all the time. And he, he does wear a mask, let's be honest. Yeah. Will wears a mask, but when he 
is tired and he's exhausted and he's frustrated, you get to see that side of him. Yes. He's not the guy you see on the red carpet. He's not the guy you hear reading the audio. He gets cranky in this one. He does get cranky. And, you know, a lot of people might get turned off by that. But to me, I was like, you know what? That is the human side that I yeah. want to see more of. And that, and you're the one that turned me on to that. I didn't even know that existed. And when I watched that, and I've watched through it a couple of times now, it is fascinating to see that these are human people. They're just humans. Yeah. They're just guys like you and it's I. It. It's just that they have made themselves to be this huge star, this huge celebrity, but they have moments of weakness, and I think that's powerful. Yeah, one more thing you could add to that is the interview that he did with Oprah on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay. I think it's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I'll take a look it's at either, that. I don't know much about yeah, that. It's, I think it's either Disney+, Plus or, or Apple TV+. Plus. Okay. It's one of those two. Yeah, so he did an interview with Oprah based on the book, and it's a phenomenal, because uh, he goes into a few stories that didn't make it into the book. Oh, really? In the interview, yeah. Okay, it was that's really, interesting. Yeah, it, was really yeah it looks like he had a conversation with her on Apple TV Plus. Apple TV um, Plus. The Oprah conversation that came out in November, and um, I didn't even know that existed. So that's another piece of content that I can dive into uh, as I continue my journey into Will Smith. Because I think one of the one of the things that's going to come out of this last couple of years with the pandemic is we're going to start to see more and more of these autobiographies and biographies so. from people in our generation who had all this time, there was a pause on their career. They weren't traveling. They weren't shooting films. So they had all this time and a creative outlet they needed. Yeah. So you're going to start to see more and more of these. And I was so happy when this came out. Um, and I was dying to hear the information that you, ha you had pulled from it because it, it's such a powerful exercise in, you said you're going to do something, so do it. But it's also comes with a, a little bit of sort of levity and brevity and feeling um, that there's a lightness to it, but there's also a really, really heaviness yes. to it. So it, it's, and you had mentioned with one of the groups that you work with that this is one of the best books you've read in quite some time that best deals. It's one of the best autobiographies yeah, I've ever read. Which I think is, yeah. is amazing. And you know, the stories in there, you can apply to your own personal life. And I can, I remember thinking about this when I was on my runs. I'm like, David is going to chew this up because almost every single page I feel like makes some sort of reference, whether it's overt or covert to the power of universal laws and living those truths yep. day in and day out. And I think it's just, it's just fascinating. He's committed to personal growth. This guy he like, is like, in how he talks. You can absolutely. totally hear it. Absolutely. And now, you know, he's just, He's still everywhere all the time. He's still, you know, putting out movies. He's executing, producing movies. He's a digital media icon. Yeah. I mean, his YouTube stuff is, it's fun and light. I, and I have to say this, you know, I, after doing, you know, some deep dives into this yesterday and I watched hours of YouTube videos, which I usually do not do, I left feeling 
I told Steph, I'm like, I'm buzzing at a higher vibration right now <laughs> just by watching those videos. And not necessarily the power um, or the best shape of my life. Those were great. But I yeah. was watching sort of his five minute, seven minute, eight minute, you know, Smith Family Christmas, Smith Family Vacation, right. where he's interacting with his kids and Jada and the people that are around him, like his trainer and stuff. And you just can't help but feel this infectious love for what he has done. Like, again, he's not perfect. Yeah. He makes mistakes. He gets crazy. He gets pissy. He gets diva-like, right? But I felt after watching these videos, like I felt like I was a part of his family. That's the glimpse you're getting. And I think that's the authenticity that Will Smith brings to the table. And I'm excited to see where he goes because he's still, you know, he's still a young guy. He's yeah. got a lot of room to grow, but he's the kind of person that you could see down the road, maybe going into a political realm, maybe being a guy that could, that could yeah, usher maybe. in a different thing because he really is... He's genius, he's committed, and I think the biggest part about it is when he sets his mind to something, the discipline that he learned from an early age from Daddy-O is going to carry him on through the rest no of his life. No question about it. I think and, it's and we didn't even tell you half the stories that are in the book. I mean, oh God, there's so, no. many, so much more we didn't even touch on. You got to get the book, you got to read it, you got to listen to it, and you got to see the, the stuff that he's put on, um, on YouTube. Yes. He also did a series, I think it was called The Red Table Interviews yeah. with Jada. Yeah, and I, I was going to go look for those. Those were, I think at the time, they were exclusive to Facebook, and I don't go on that social yeah. media platform as often, but the Red Table Talks Red table are supposed talks, to be yeah. really, really yeah. good. And he's also got Very a show now, um, I think it's called Welcome to Earth, if I'm not mistaken, and it's on Discovery Channel where, well, sorry, it's, it, yeah, it's on... I think it's on Disney Plus, but it's the discovery aspect of Disney Plus, and it's Will going and doing his adventure stuff. Because in oh, one really? of the videos he did for Best Shape of His Life, you get to see him, you know, climb to the top of the Burj Khalifa, the largest, yeah. you know, building in Jumps the world. Out of the helicopter. Exactly, yeah. you get to see those adventure type things. So it's court, it's sort of fusing the the fun and engaging storytelling, like an Anthony Bourdain, but it's coming through the eyes of Will Smith. So it's the adventure pieces that you get to see. So I haven't personally watched any of those. It's on my list if I can get off of YouTube for a hot second because now I'm deep into it. <laughs> but that was one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today was the gleanings you can get from a book like this. And many people may not pick up the book. You know, they, they wouldn't pick it up. They see, oh, Will, I don't really know much about this guy. What, what, what can I learn from this? Immediately from Jump, whether you're listening to it or reading it, you're going to be able to apply what you're doing in your life to what he went through in his life. And you're never too young or too old to start. You can you, start it today. You can't pick up that book without taking something of great benefit out of it. I don't, I think there's something in there for everybody. Absolutely. And I want my kids to read it. I want my kids to listen to it. I want my kids to adopt that tenacity, that ferociousness, that ability to say, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I think this book personifies that. And I would encourage everybody to go out and do it. Definitely listen to it. Definitely pick up a Definitely. hard copy for your notes and then do a deep dive out there. So um, any, any, any parting words here from you, David? As no, we, uh, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's one of the best autobiographies, best biographies and that says I've something. ever read. And I've read a ton, you, a ton. I mean, your library is probably exceeding nearly 5,000 books at this point. You've got yeah. an entire library in your house that is full of autobiographies like this. And for you to say that, that's, that's heavy praise. So that's pretty I th impressive. I th and one of the reasons is most biographies or autobiographies focus just on a couple of main things. There are so many lessons in this book, and he has dedicated 
to learning so much about human nature and himself and spirituality um, that it it covers such a wide span of this guy's life and he goes into the dark dark of it you know and goes into the light light and covers everything in between so you just got to get it and and, do, and check it out for yourself you you will not be sorry with this book yeah don't don't do the disservice of just passing over it definitely do yourself a favor listen to it read it do what you can to put your you know put your hands around this content because it is extremely powerful and it will apply to you yeah. so. and I also did I also uh, recorded some lessons on it uh, I think it was like the top five lessons five or six lessons uh, that you could learn from the book and that that's going to be on YouTube also yeah absolutely we'll link to that in the main YouTube channel so people can go and check that out because you definitely want to see it we're, we're all in on the power of will as we uh, as we go off into the sunset. So Absolutely. this has been great, David. Appreciate you taking the time. You got it. Well, there you have it, everyone. The Power of Will, this Will Smith autobiography. We absolutely love it. We can't get enough of it. Do yourself a favor. Listen to it on audio. Pick yourself a hard copy up like this so you can take copious notes in it. There are some serious lessons from this guy. Will Smith, he just gets it, especially when it comes to a successful mind and being one of those individuals that really understands universal truths on a whole new level. I absolutely love the guy. He's fascinating. He's got flaws, but who doesn't? And I think you're going to dig it. So once again, do us a favor, leave us a comment down below. Let us know how you felt if you've read this book about it. And if you haven't read it yet, be sure to check back, leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of it. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. And we're continuing to get more and more insights every time we go through it. So until the next time, be sure to check us out on the Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.